Hey, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy, folks. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Glad you're here with us today. I pray you've been enjoying these podcast episodes, that they've been an encouragement to you, perhaps uh, some inspiration, maybe even some correction and rebuke. I don't know. I know God's Word does it all. Amen. So uh, anyway, glad you're here. Grace and peace be unto you. And uh, today I'm going to be discussing uh, the four F's of the church that we are planting in West Melbourne, Florida. Uh, As some of you may know by now, um, God willing, Our family, after many, many years of putting down a root system in Waco, Texas, uh, we believe we're called of God to uproot our lives and uh, move as a family uh, to Florida. We're we're hoping that's going to take place in late August, and we have been busy little beavers here. Uh, renovating our home and getting it ready uh, to rent out uh, because we want to keep this house uh, in Waco. It's part of our family's heritage, and I want to keep it in the family. Um, You know, property does have value. And, uh, of course, the Bible says house and riches are passed on by fathers, but a good wife. Uh, is from the Lord, and you find a good wife, you obtain favor from him. So anyway, uh, you know, this has been a journey. We've, um, it's been about a year, and it was actually provoked by my kids. They said, hey, Dad, we want to do life together. We want to serve the Lord together. And so, you know, I put together a family vision statement. We uh, prayed uh, every Thursday night for a year, and we were seeking the Lord, and, and you know, you know, calling upon Him, uh, you know, wondering what His will might be in regards to this, and it just became clear, you know, as we sought Him, as everything shook out, uh, that He was indeed uh, calling us. Uh, to Florida to start this church plant, the American Reformation Church. And uh, what's interesting about that, brothers and sisters, is because the vision of this church came many years ago. Um, You know, I I study the scriptures. uh, I study history and church history. And one of the things that I, I, I took note of through the years that when you study like the reformations in time past, you know, there were certain truths that God um, would take that was always in his word, was always in the Bible. But there seems like there's certain generations that his Holy Spirit just illuminates that truth uh, to certain men and women of God. And uh, of course, that truth is proclaimed. God watches over his word. Uh, to perform it, and, uh, you know, and this is how uh, revivals and reformations uh, took place, you know, throughout church history, and as one, you know, that's been involved uh, in this battle, you know, for the souls of men, the lives of babies, and the future of our nation, you know, you know, we were in this movement, you know, to, you know, abolish abortion, And uh, what was interesting about that, there was like two things I I noticed in history that was really important uh, 
uh, whether or not uh, these moves of God were successful. And, and, and two things were required. The generation that God convicted and opened their eyes to biblical truths, you know, they had an obligation to pass that on to the generation coming up and preserve it for generations to come. And then the other thing I noticed that there were certain churches that were literally established that eventually became denominations that carried the present truth and established it. And God established that through local assemblies, local churches um, in different regions of the world. And as one who studied the scriptures and studied history, um, you know, I just saw that those two things were critically important if we're going to be successful to abolish abortion, not only in our nation, but in the world. And so I know there are, there are older brothers and sisters. We are training up this next generation, you know, with, uh, you know, the biblical truths and principles, you know, to abolish abortion and end the American Holocaust. But at the same time, I noticed that there weren't many churches uh, that was embracing the abolitionist movement. And I saw a need that we, we, we really needed churches, obviously, you know, built on the foundation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the only firm and solid foundation in all of life. But the Apostle Paul told us to be careful how we build. And um, a lot of churches were not building um, into the church a vision and mission to abolish abortion and amend uh, and end the American Holocaust. So, you know, that's when this whole vision and mission, you know, was sort of downloaded into my spirit, the American Reformation Church. So, but here was another problem. You know, I know in, in some ways that the Lord has used me in, in my family's life like a chain breaker. Like I was the first one saved on both sides of my family, father and mother. Uh, I know we came from a wicked bunch on both sides. Um, and, and I don't know how long uh, uh, any family members uh, in my, you know, heritage, uh, didn't know the Lord, but I know at least um, when I was born and being raised, and when I got saved, I was the only one that I knew of that came to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so the Lord just intervened, and He He broke uh, and shattered. You know, that line of darkness, you know, and in uh, revelry and, you know, and all the abominations and everything like that. And, and so, you know, through my family, my immediate family, you know, we have 13 children and it's like a it's a whole new line. It's a whole new breed. It's a whole new, uh, you know, generation. Uh, that has been dedicated and committed to the Lord. And so, you know, the Lord has used me in that sense as a chain breaker in my family. And of course, the Lord blessed me with eight daughters and five sons. And so, you know, when I got some of these visions and missions about this church and of course the online school, the Kingdom Leadership Institute, by the way, it came about the same time uh, where these uh, visions and missions came to my soul and, uh, you know, and, and just praying and seeking the Lord, fighting the battle, not sure, you know, the timing of it or, and this was a big issue, whether it was going to be me or my sons that would actually fulfill the vision and mission. Well, you know, just going through this time of seeking the Lord and through prayer for this past year, uh, to start the church, uh, it just became evident. It wasn't for my sons. Uh, it was for me that the Lord was at this 
you know, at this stage of my life, I'm going to be 67 years old. He wants me to do this in obedience to him. And so at this point, all I can do is report for duty and say, yes, sir. So, you know, it's a, it's a quite a, quite a shock to my system. Uh, it's somewhat nerve wracking, a little scary. Uh, but at the same time, just a great excitement uh, of what is awaiting us in Florida and the things that are going to be accomplished uh, to glorify God and to advance his kingdom uh, in the earth. So, but I have two really uh, hard issues that are going to be very difficult for me uh, to make this move. Uh, as most of you know, it was Destiny, my daughter. She was the one who kept provoking me and convincing me to do this podcast. And without her, this never would have taken place. Well, you know, they just live right down the street from me. And I have just a wonderful son-in-law. And I, he's really not a son-in-law. He's a true son. He's just a true son. He is, he is so reliable. Um, if, if our family needs anything at any times, he, he just drops everything uh, to come to our aid and help. And I, I love him dearly. And of course, uh, man, I got four wonderful grandchildren here, Liam and Evie and Judah and Noah. And, uh, you know, they're, they live near us. So we're, we're seriously very close. And to think that um, we're going to move and they're going to stay here in Texas and we're going to be in Florida. Yeah, that's a that's a little hard on my heart. Um, and believe me, if I didn't truly believe God was calling me to do this, I wouldn't do this to my heart. I really wouldn't. And um, the other thing is our church, uh, church at Tree Lake, or I think they ch changed it to um, Tree Lake Baptist Church. Um, but man, they have been, they just have been there for my family. They have faithfully sent us out in the battle. They have covered us in the battle. They have supported us. Uh, my pastor, Jeff Wires, I mean, he, what a, an incredible under-shepherd of the flock. He's just stood with us through very difficult days and helped carry us through uh, some very hard times. And there were literally times where I was called into battle on a battlefield, and we were being demonically attacked in our home, where he literally came into my home and spent the entire night awake watching over my children to make sure they were not attacked. Um, it's very rare uh, to find a pastor, an elder, that would be willing uh, to lose sleep and to faithfully guard the lambs and the sheep entrusted to his care. So he's a dear brother. The church has been a tremendous blessing to our family. And it's, you know, just, it's going to be hard. You know, I love them. They've, they've been a, a goodness to me and my family. But uh, anywhere, it's, uh, it's further up and further in. <laughs> We're pressing on. Um, but I wanted today to just briefly cover some of the, the vision and mission and the themes of the American Reformation Church. And what's interesting, brothers and sisters, this, these themes are just resonating with people, not only in our nation, but even in other nations. So when I share the vision and mission and the four F's, of the American Reformation Church, it's just uh, people are just looking at it, hearing about it, and there's just a strong yes and amen. Um, there's a real desire to either be a part of this. Um, I'm hearing from people who are seriously 
seeking the Lord prayerfully uh, about the possibility of uh, them uprooting their families and their businesses and specifically move to Florida to be a part of this work. And that just astounds me. It really, really does. And like I said, I've heard from people of other nations. And even if they can't move, uh, they're wanting to either change the model of their church uh, to sort of uh, assimilate our vision and mission into their church or uh, to use it as a model to plant churches in the future. So there's we're tapping into something here and 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 it really does have uh, great uh, potential for the future so anyway i want to just go on and start with these four f's and i just want to briefly touch on them uh, so just to give you sort of an outline of these kind of themes we're going to be bringing to the table once we move to Florida and start the church. So the four F's and the first big one, faith. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing when it comes to, you know, the topic of faith, right? Um, you know, everybody has faith. Everybody. Um, most of it is unrecognized or we're not conscious that we're exercising faith, but when we sit in a chair, we believe that chair is going to support us. Uh, when we get on a plane, we have faith that we're going to arrive safely, that it's not going to crash. Uh, if we didn't believe that, we would not dare get on a plane. Um, and so, you know, people exercise faith and exercise belief all the time but the issue is not faith in that regard um, the issue is what is the object or the person we put our faith into again everybody has faith but it's not necessarily saving faith and and there's two kinds of faith in the scriptures there's the saving faith where God, through repentance of sin and putting our full faith and trust in Christ, who came the propitiation for our sins, where we are translated out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of God's dear Son. So there's that saving faith. But there's also the gift of faith. And that is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of you out there are probably cessationists. And if you're born again, you're still my brother or sister in the Lord. Uh, but I have at times. It's rare. I get it. It's rare. It doesn't happen every day. You can't drum it up. You can't fake it. Okay, but there are rare occasions where the Lord blessed me, his Holy Spirit gave me the gift of faith. And I'm just going to give a, a, just a couple of, of examples of this. Uh, I remember this one time we were at the Atlanta Zoo of all places. And this is when my wife, my first wife, Liz and I, we first started Elijah Ministries and we were traveling, you know, blazing an evangelistic trail around America and short-term mission trips to other nations. And we just happened to be at the Atlanta Zoo. And we walked by a, a fence and there was these, you know, these peacocks, you know, and they're just strutting their stuff, right? And so there was a fairly large crowd and they're just begging these peacocks to open their feathers so they could see the glorious colors of these feathers. And I'm just going to tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm watching the peacocks. I'm hearing these people beg these peacocks. And all of a sudden, man, my knower just knows. And I, I the sudden rises up on the inside of me. There's like this authority like rose up on the inside. 
and I and I said this out loud so everybody can hear me. I said, Peacocks, I am a man of God, and God has given me dominion over you, and I command you to open your feathers now in Jesus' name. N-A-M-E. When the E hit, boom, the peacocks just spread their feathers. And when I say there was a gasp amongst the people, oh, well, I don't want to blaspheme the Lord. But let me just tell you, I got their undivided attention. And the Lord used that for me to minister the gospel of his salvation to all those people gathered at the zoo. It was absolutely glorious. Uh, there was another time. This is when I was in L.A. and I was pursuing an acting career. I had a manager with Columbia Pictures, and so I was going to school full-time. I was doing ministry part-time, and I had a part-time job, and I had it with the uh, L.A. school district. And so when they hired me, they were needing, like, coaches after school, like schoolyard monitors, you know, for the latchkey kids. And um, and so I sat down and talked with them. You know, I just got out of the military. I was jacked. I, you know, I, was, I was loaded for bear. And so I said, what, what, what's your worst district? Just put me in the worst one, right? And so they put me in this one, and it was, you know, pretty much minority uh, area, um, sort of ghetto. And, uh, and apparently these kids had like just drove uh, these other monitors and coaches insane. Some they even beat up. And I mean, it was a mess. And so they just threw me, you know, into this uh, den, really. Uh, it was pretty dangerous. Uh, but I, I love the challenge. And so I, I went in there, you know, fresh out from the 101st Airborne. And boy, when I say I, I went in, I went in and I laid down the law like you will not do whatever you did to these other folks. You certainly will not do it to me. And we better get on the same page real quick or it ain't going to go well with you guys. And so I kind of like laid down the law, you know, and, and, and got control of the, the yard. And so there was relative peace you know and um and and once i laid down the law i began to sort of minister the gospel sort of one-on-one -on -one, and the lord was providing these opportunities and lo and behold these kids were getting saved and there was a lot of things that happened along the way literally it was a, a, by the time i was done like revival like hit this school and just one of the things that happened where the lord just gave me the hearts of these kids was uh, we were playing kickball and I had my assistant coach. He was in another yard and I was in the main yard with most of the kids and we were playing kickball, having a good time. And all of a sudden the assistant coach and the kids come running to me. They're screaming in terror, you know, the bees, the bees. Right. So apparently one of the kids kicked the kickball, hit a tree, hit a bee hive, and the bees are just, you know, dive bombing, just tormenting these kids, and they're running for their lives, like screaming. And so as soon as I heard that, I saw that, again, something just rose up on the inside of me. It was this gift of faith, and my knower knew. And so I literally ran into the midst of the bees. And again, I said, I am a man of God. You know, I have dominion over you bees. Now go, disappear, now. And, and when I said that, of course, the whole yard, all these kids are, are hearing this, they're seeing this. And as soon as I gave the command, there was not a bee in the sky. I mean, instantaneously gone. Now, Again, these kids are freaking out. And so they're running around going, oh my gosh, you know, coach talks to the bees and they listen to him. Like, like I was the bee whisperer or something. <laughs> okay. But again, th these kids witnessed the power 
uh, of the Lord. Uh, and 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 of course, when when that happened, that they you know they just gave me their hearts, and so there was a great harvest of souls. I mean, every day these kids were surrendering their life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It got so bad. It's you know it's good for the kingdom, but so bad for me that they were commanding me not to preach or teach in the name of Jesus. Because so many of these kids were coming to the Lord, being birthed into the kingdom and added to the church. And of course, they said, you know, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm never going to stop serving the Lord or ministering the gospel. So you, you either fire me or let me get, get about my business here. But they couldn't deny, you know, the fruit of what had happened in that school. Uh, the violence pretty much disappeared. These kids weren't crazy. They weren't, uh, you know, making a scene. Um, you know, they just got filled with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. It was a, it was a glorious time. Uh, eventually, I did have to leave that school uh, because God was calling me into the ministry. But anyway, it was just a, a powerful time, and that was that was another manifestation of a of a gift of faith. And and then there was um, a time. Uh, it was. Uh, when Flip Benham became national director, we were in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, this is the first time leading a national event under Flip's leadership. I was the assistant director, and so we go to this abortion mill. The abortionist was named Tommy Tucker, and he had this notorious death camp. And so you got a picture of this, brothers and sisters, right? So there's a probably about three to four hundred pro-abort sodomites guarding the death camp. There's probably at least 300 police officers, and there's probably about six, 700 uh, of the saints, you know, confronting this death camp with the gospel of the kingdom. And so what happens is, and there's so much to the story, and if I had time to go into it, because there's some glorious things that happened there, but I just want to again emphasize this gift of faith. And so... As we're there, the pro aborts, you know, do their typical chant. This clinic is open. This clinic is open. And as they're chanting that, there was a pastor from Dallas, Texas, and he shouts out, you who are saying this clinic is open, were you the same group that was saying this clinic is open concerning the other death camp? in the city that is now closed and i all i could tell you when he said the clinic was closed the spirit of the lord just spoke to my heart and he said no 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 this clinic is closed my knower knew it was this gift of faith so you gotta picture this brothers and sisters I mean, there's like chaos. There's, I mean, there, we, we got over like a thousand people, you know, around this death camp, friend and foe. And I mean, we were just going at it. And then all of a sudden, I just walked into the middle of the street. And I said that you may know that God rules and reigns in the affairs of men this clinic is closed and i gave a certain time limit and uh like some people said it was a month i thought i said six months i don't remember the time but i do know this 29 days later that clinic shut down tommy tucker killed a pastor's daughter who was getting an abortion, and that's what it took to shut that death camp down. Some other news that came out of that event is we went to Tommy Tucker's house, and I had the privilege of ministering the gospel to his wife and to his daughter. I found out a couple of years later they had surrendered their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So anyway, th those are some examples, brothers and sisters, of the gift of faith. Your knower knows. You know that when you say it, 
It's absolutely going to happen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit assures you it is going to happen. All right. You're not, you know, we're not playing games here. I'm not, you know, wishing and I'm hoping. Uh, no, I, I know because he tells me it's so. And I believe it and I speak it and it happened. Amen. So that's that's different than saving faith. And so when, you, when we come to the topic of faith, of course, there's that famous verse in Hebrews chapter 11, 1, it says this. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, brothers and sisters, we got to understand the nature of faith. Like, there, there is a reality in heaven, okay? There, there's, a, there's a reality that is established in heaven, and of course, we live in this earthly reality, right? So there's basically two realities, right? There's the one in the heavens with the Lord, you know, his throne, um, you know, uh, Jesus at his right hand, expecting henceforth till all his enemies may be made his footstool. And then there's the reality that we live here on this earth. And, and one of the beautiful, powerful things of saving faith is that it takes the reality of heaven, all right, it gets established in our soul, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, that's how our faith increases and growing, grows, you know, by meditating, studying, hearing the very words of God that are light and life and love, right? That builds up our most holy faith. And well, that holy faith changes the reality here on this earth. So like when you go through the book of Hebrews, you got what they call the hall of fame of, of faith heroes, and you see their great exploits. You know, you who know the Lord shall be strong and do great exploits. You know, this hall of fame of faith. And, and, and what's interesting about that, brothers and sisters, you know, faith is not mind over matter. You know, it's not some new age meditative gobbledygook, right? You know, there is true matter, right? Uh, you know, in other words, when we, when we discuss, you know, David and Samson and, you know, all these guys that are in the Hall of Fame of Faith and Moses and Noah and Abel and all these guys, you know, they, they experienced true matter. Right. It wasn't make believe, you know, it, they were up against hostile armies. They, they were threatened with the sword. There was lions that they had to face. They were thrown in the fire. This all this was real. You know, when Abraham's climbing that mountain with his son, Isaac, man, I mean, the pebbles are in his sandals. He's huffing and puffing. The heat is beating down on him. That's real. But by faith, by faith in the Lord by faith in his word, by faith in his promise, they changed that reality. And God intervened on the behalf of his people. So faith, and again, who is the object of your faith? Who is the person of your faith? There's only one safe place for your soul to put faith into and that is the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only one worthy of our faith, of our belief, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by him. And so here's how the Apostle John declares in the New Testament, like how important is this true and saving faith listen to these incredible words for whatever is born of god overcomes the world yeah this world you know with the battle from within 
the battle from without, right? Our struggles, our problems, our financial difficulties, you know, sickness, disease, death, loved ones, you know, all that. And he says, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, our faith. That is the victory that overcomes this world. And remember what our Lord said. He said, in me, you will have peace. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome this world. And so what does the Lord give to us to overcome this world? His saving faith. And that faith needs to be nurtured. That faith needs to be fed. That faith needs to be built up. Amen? So we can move forward, negotiate through this world, and overcome as we go. So the first F of the American Reformation Church, faith. That kind of faith. Okay? Second, fatherhood. And we've done a lot of podcasts about manhood and biblical masculinity and biblical manhood. And it's so extremely important. But we know in this generation specifically, there is a deep father's wound and a father hurt. Most kids have been raised without a father. And if the father was there um, for the most part, he was absent, or if he was there, they suffered abuse at his hand. And so to say the word father in this generation is almost like a curse word. And we have got to work in the church to correct that, to address that, to repair it. We must repair the man, okay? We must repair the man. We must rebuild biblical masculinity, manhood, back into men. And one of the things I am going to seriously hammer at the American Reformation Church, you know, as one of the uh, elders of the church, you know, yes, I can encourage you, I can inspire you, I can correct you, I can rebuild rebuke you. I can love and care for your family and you, but I can't replace you. Men, Christian men, men of God and the church, we have got to stop hiring professionals in the church and in the state to replace us in the life of our women, our wives, and our children. So critically important. So I'm going to be spending a lot of time training men in their biblical duties and responsibilities before God. Because once the man returns and his masculinity restored and he begins to perform his duty, then God's authority will work through headship once again to bring great blessing into the marriage amongst the children, in the church, and through the church into our communities. And so we're going to press on here. The third F, family. And so, yes, we're going to be emphasizing rebuild that family altar. Husband, father, you, you rebuild that family altar. Well, why is that so important? Because we are dealing with a corrupt government and a culture of death uh, that has just, you know, pulled off the gloves and they have been at war against Christ, his church, and the God-ordained family. We have to understand we are in a battle and through government policies and uh, and decrees and laws and corporate policies, we have torn the family apart. It is in tatters. And we, we are just so 
out of order uh, in the nuclear family and we're just spinning out of control. And this is where the government steps in taxing us to death um, so that they'll replace God in the souls of the citizen and then replace the dad in the home. And we're getting taxed to death to see this betrayal, this idolatry take place under our watch. And so we know, brothers and sisters, the God-ordained family is the sound building block for a healthy society. So yeah, this is going to be a major emphasis, you know, in, in the American Reformation Church. We're going to be working on what is the role, what is the function of a man, a husband, a father? What is the role of a woman, a wife, and a mother? What, what is the role of children in the God-ordained family? And we're going to emphasize these things and encourage people to live it out by faith. So critically important in these days. And the last F is freedom. And I'm not just talking about freedom from sin, as important as that is. And when it comes to our personal deliverance and salvation, obviously we're going to be preaching the gospel. And we're going to trust God that by his Holy Spirit, he's going to convict and transform souls. We are even now praying extensively for that fruit to be birthed through our church. And I, I would pray you would join us uh, in that kind of prayer for our church. But I'm talking about liberty, freedom, politically. You know, something very precious has been handed to us, and something very precious is dying under our watch. Uh, our kids are not growing up in the same America that we grew up in. These kids don't know a day without paganism, without child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood, without parading our sin like Sodom, without this transgender drag queen grooming kids and human sexual trafficking. They don't know a wholesome, sound culture or society. It is pagan and brutal and perverse to its core. And so we, we are living in very dire times and our future is at stake. And so I'm just going to give you a couple of quotes because I, I really want you to really uh, absorb them and consider like what was our founding fathers, what were they facing when they were trying to, you know, kind of break ties with England and, and start a brand new nation called the United States of America. Well, here's a quote by George Washington, and I want you to listen to it because I think it's relevant to our day. In fact, I would dare say to you that the government we have right now is the government Thomas Jefferson and our founding fathers warned against in the Declaration of Independence. They are a threat and a danger to our God-given rights and our future. And so we got to make changes if we're going to pass on faithfully liberty and freedom to our children. So here, here's George Washington. The time is now near at hand which must probably determine whether Americans are to be free men or slaves. I mean, look at us. We're slaves to Washington, D.C.'s. We're slaves in so many ways. Whether they are to have any property they can call their own, whether their houses and farms are to be pillaged and destroyed, BLM, Antifa, anybody? and themselves consigned to a state of wretchedness from which no human efforts will deliver them? Listen, the fate of unborn millions will now depend under God on the courage and the conduct of this army. Isn't it amazing that our founding fathers 
were so forward thinking, such visionaries that they were not just concerned about their plight, what they were going through, but they also had a deep concern concerning their posterity. He called them unborn millions. When's the last time this nation had a deep concern for the unborn to the point that we stopped this murderous rampage against them and welcomed them into life and protect them by law? Well, we may not care about it, but George Washington deeply cared about it. He says, our cruel and unrelenting enemy leaves us only the choice of brave resistance or the most abject submission. Listen, we have therefore to resolve to conquer or die. Sounds a little bit like Patrick Henry. Give me liberty or give me death. You know, somebody said, liberty is like air. You don't know how important it is until it's gone. And the real tragedy, the disgrace and shame of this nation is this generation is growing up not knowing what they are losing because they never knew what they had. Because we don't study the scriptures and we don't study history. And we've been indoctrinated by these Marxists and these progressives in our schools and in entertainment and through government policy. Well, during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln declared at the Gettysburg Address, he says this, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in what? Conceived in liberty, listen, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Why? Because man is made in the image of God. And so he goes on to say, now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation, speaking of America, or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. So throughout our nation, Doubts, grave doubts arose. Are we going to be free? Are we going to be slaves? You know, are we going to survive? Or are we going to fall? And no doubt in our day, we have those grave concerns even now. I mean, we look at our abominations. We see the government tyranny. We behold the, cor the cultural corruptions. And we know God's just judgment is upon us. Will we survive this? Will we survive like in the beginning, the Revolutionary War? Will we survive the Civil War like they did? Or is it the end? Is this empire, America, going to implode and we're going to be reduced to ashes? Or will there be a repentance? Will there be a reformation? Will there be a revival? That... That question needs to be answered, brothers and sisters, because this is coming to a head. This is going down, whether we like it or not. This is happening under our watch. And I don't know about you. I have children. I have grandchildren. And it scares, it grieves me to think about the nation we're bequeathing to them. And so all I can tell you is this. When we think about our founding fathers, George Washington, when we think about the Civil War, the Gettysburg Address, you know, they, they had to go through that time. They were in grave doubt whether they were going to make it or not. We're there. We're there again, brothers and sisters. There's, there is no doubt about it. And I truly believe, brothers and sisters, whatever faith they had, Whatever grit of soul they had that sustained our nations in times past, it is so needful for us today because this is what we have to settle in our souls.
concerning our future and hope for our children and grandchildren. It's simply this. It's our turn now. We have to face this thing. We got to look these monsters in the eye, these, these threats, these dangers, you know, get right with God, you know, live out this saving faith, you know, and try to give God a reason to show mercy to a nation that's just begging for him to obliterate us. We've got to stand in the gap. We've got to make up the hedge uh, for the future, brothers and sisters. So anyway, these are just some of the themes, you know, I'm going to be emphasizing as we go to Florida to start this new church plant, the American Reformation Church. And I would ask, brothers and sisters, that you would uh, keep this work in prayer. I truly believe it has great potential to bear some really good kingdom fruit for our Lord and for our children and our grandchildren. Amen. So please keep that in prayer. And I'm going to put a link in there if you'd like to help donate to this work. We could use the help. Um, this is, you know, you know, we're uprooting, you know, we're moving. We got to find a home, start a church. Uh, it's going to take resources brothers and sisters and obviously we're we're trusting in the lord since he's called us to do it that he will provide for it um, but if you want to help in that regard we would certainly appreciate it well that's it for today uh, you're with uh, kingdom moments with rusty thomas and as usual keep pressing on to that high call and prize in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. Till next time.